Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine socially distanced radio program and podcast known internationally as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. Hi, Mom. Uh, welcome to show number 194. We are definitely halfway to 200. We're at least halfway to 200 We're getting right there. now. We're getting there. So, uh, Smoking and Toasting is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Today on the program, we write a great wrong, Ian. This is something that should have been done so long ago, and I'm embarrassed that it's taken us 194 shows for me to actually email Lenny Ambrose at St. Arnold and go, uh, hey, we've never had you on the show. Would you like to come on? Wait a second. Hold on. Let me get this straight. You already know this guy? Yeah. I've, I've known Lenny since well before so, so you Smoking had, a Toast and Ever Began. You, you had an inn at St. Arnold and... You waited till 194 episodes. I'm to... going to take the full blame for this. I, I totally am. 194 and is a special number, we, though obviously it, it is. Now we've probably <laughs> talked about St. Arnold, yes, more than oh. probably any other yeah, uh, brewery. We've had you know pretty much everything that we see that's new that you release. We've grabbed and, and tasted at one time or another. Mm -hmm. We're both kind of fanboys, uh, to be totally honest. And it's uh, so it, maybe maybe I just felt like we were you know we were. Covering it. That, no, that's not a good excuse. <laughs> was it last uh, week we had the BB25 on? What, what, what was that? The, the Bishop's BB? Barrel 25. Oh, it was uh, two week? weeks ago. Yeah, two we did ago, We yeah. did the uh, Bishop's oh. Barrel 25. So uh, so we'll talk about all of those things. I uh, want to give everybody a bit of a primer on St. Arnold because St. Arnold is the oldest craft brewery in Texas, and Texas is a big state. So to be the first, the oldest, that, isn't that right, Lenny? Am I getting yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah The oldest in Texas. So. That's kind of a big deal, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as the program goes on. Uh, this is craft beer month, so it is actually perfect timing. See how I'm trying to justify that's, having that's, them on yeah. this week? Yeah. Keep, keep going. It's, You're almost there. Okay, good. <laughs> and we're going to taste some tequila, the Tequila Miagave Añejo from Jalisco, Mexico. Where else? Uh, and and it's, it's not this week, but Friday of next week is National Tequila Day. So I'm thinking, Ian. And we have to put this together. Thank you for changing the, the, the sign. That's good. Uh, we have to put this together during the week. But if all goes as planned, I think we're going to do a, a Reposado blind taste test on next week's that show. That sounds fun. So, so that will be very fun. Uh, there's a uh, there's drinking news, of course, on the way. We have, a, I think, a really good one for you today. Uh, there will be a photo accompaniment. And uh, we have uh, a few things to talk about in the world of uh, cigars and spirits and craft beer. Um, there have been a series of fake Instagram accounts set up to try and scam the cigar community. We'll uh, report on that for you. And um, a report that I can share with you about the percentage of Cuban cigars in the United States that are not Cuban cigars at all. That but only that are, say they're Cuban that cigars? Only, well, yeah, somebody says they're Cuban cigars anyway. Uh, and Johnny Walker is going to be sold in paper bottles starting next year. So we'll tell you all about that. I don't that. know what that means. That's that, weird. Uh, that is very weird. I, <laughs> I, it seems to me that paper would, I mean, I guess milk cartons are paper, technically, right? Yeah. So, so it would be that bad. kind of paper so that it wouldn't you know, leak out all over the place. But, uh, but that's going to be kind of— Yeah, but if you drop a milk carton, you know— Yeah, you're, you're in trouble. I would, I would hate of to drop— Of course, don't drop a glass bottle either, I guess. Yeah. Six that's, one, half a dozen. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. That's why 
uh, plastic. They just put it in cans. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're the like, can guy. I like guy. cans. You're the can guy. And we're, I'm gonna, we're, we'll get to that question with Lenny a little bit later. Because he's, he's a can craft beer guy, and I'm totally the bottle craft beer guy. So Will you not uh, buy it in, if it's in a no, can? No, I'll or? buy it. I'll okay. buy it. Because there's, there's plenty of them that only come again. Yeah. But like you guys, every once in a while... I'll be in the store and you'll have something, art car or something else, yeah. and it's available in both bottles yeah, and uh-huh. cans. And I'm like, oh, thank you, St. Arnold, yeah, I'm getting yeah. bottles. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so it's, uh, but I just, I, just, I like my beer really cold. And so, and I know you're not supposed to do that either. You're supposed to, you know, uh, know there are no rules. That's, see, see, that's what I like about you guys. Yeah, I remember, beer. I remember reading this on the St. Arnold website years ago, well before we started this show. I remember I was, Going on because I think I was trying to figure out what the calorie count was in Alyssa. That's a mistake. Yeah, and well, <laughs> and, and I thought I thought the way you said it was uh, on the website. At least back then, I don't know if it still says this, but at least back then it was perfect. It said something like, "As for calories, yeah, we feel you should just really concentrate on how much you're enjoying yes. the beer." <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, good answer, yeah. good answer. Uh, so, so a lot to talk about, and uh, Lenny has brought some things for us to taste, and uh, it's going to be. I think I think it should be a good show. It's it's certainly a show that's uh, that's overdue. So, thank you for joining us for it, uh, Lenny. And we are excited about getting to the tasting here in in a few moments. Um, Ian, uh, as the as the pandemic thing continues, I don't know if they're going to lock the city back down or not. We're out of Houston, although the shows heard everywhere. But we're out of Houston, Texas, and there's some talk that we could lock everything back down again, which would make I, I don't know how we would would handle that. When the, when the first lockdown happened in our city, we did about five six weeks of shows on Skype, and then as things loosened up a little bit, we were like, well, we can be socially distanced in the studio properly, mm-hmm. uh, so we should try that. And even if there's a mask ordinance in place for our show, it's easy enough because you're excluded from the mask ordinance if you are eating or drinking, and we will be drinking. So <laughs> yes. that uh, that helps us, but. You know, we're distance. I just, you know, I really don't know how to respond at this point. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, hopefully we will continue to be able to be in the studio and not have to worry about internet connectivity from, yeah. from, uh, from home and stuff. But uh, we'll do what we can. Anyway, as things have gotten crazy, I, I've, like, gotten to the point where I'm now going out less again. Like, I was going out more. Now I, I just, just only try to sneak out for things I absolutely have to. I haven't actually stopped going out less. I've been You've been much going out less body. the whole time. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've picked it up a little bit when things started to open back up, but still trying to be really careful. Uh, but anyway, it does leave you time to uh, to sit at home if you have a place, which I know you do in your backyard, it's, to be able to uh, to smoke a little bit. So Yeah, so uh, my humidor has taken quite the beating on this. You uh, mentioned that, yeah. I finally stocked it back up, and now it's going back down, so there's going to have to be a... <laughs> I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna be searching the sales racks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, did you uh, smoke anything interesting this I week? I did. I did. I uh, went by the Casa uh, de Monte Cristo today, mm-hmm. and uh, Ken was up there, and Steve, the, buddy those Ken. Guys, oh, yeah, those love guys, those guys, are so yeah. nice. And uh, they're like, "Hey, what's going on?" I said, "You know, cigar before the show." They said, "Well, here's the one you have to have." Mm-hmm. So I grabbed their. Uh, it's the Crown Heads Four Kicks Number Seven. This is the Casa de Monte Cristo exclusive. Oh, so this is the. I think I remember reading something about that that they were going to have their own, you know, their own like yeah. in-store uh, line uh, from yeah. Crown Heads. So I grabbed that. This is a five and a half by fifty-four double robusto. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's uh, wrapped with an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and filler in there. And that's good look, a good-looking cigar, too. Great combination. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is great-looking. Dark brown, uh, rustic, oily kind of finish on it, firm overall, reasonably smooth uh, mm-hmm. throughout the whole cigar. It looks, it looks like a pretty nice uh, cigar, just appearance. Two labels and a footer. So the two labels, one label is the uh, Four Kicks label, and then you have the one on it that says the uh, Casa de Monte Cristo exclusive. Nice. And then on the footer it says Crowned Heads. Uh, also, this has a pigtail at the head and a closed foot. So that's kind of fun. That's just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre-light sniff on this, um, I, did a, uh, I did a clip on this, and the draw was pretty much effortless. The pre-light sniff on this was Barnyard, earth, a little fermented hay, some classic tobacco, and uh, a little tea leaf at the foot of it, and uh, and coffee bean. Like, have you ever been in a coffee house before they've roasted all the beans? Right, just the bean smell. Yeah, kind of interesting. It's coffee, but not quite coffee the way we drink it. I don't drink a lot of coffee, but I used to love going in the grocery store where they have the bulk coffee beans and getting a little bag just so I could smell it and then leaving it there. And and I realized that probably wasn't it. Very right. good thing to do. So the uh, pre-light draw on this sweet, creamy toffee, uh, tons of cedar and hay, coffee, a slight tingle on the lips, uh, pepper, and a little cayenne lingers on the palate after you. Uh, and I'm puffing on it without lighting it yet. This is just the right. pre-light draw. Uh, so pretty interesting overall. Very mm-hmm. flavorful even before it's lit. That's promising. You yep. know. Yep. Um, the initial light blast of pepper and tangy campfire. Cedar, earth, and hazelnut. That blast of pepper I was expecting with the Nicaraguan binder and filler on it. Um, the hazelnut and 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 tangy flavors in there were, were kind of a bonus. Uh, maybe it's the Habano wrapper on that. Yeah. But it was really, really nice. The first third of the cigar, hazelnut and sweet toffee vibe for first position on the palate. Followed closely by cedar, dark fruit. There's a really nice dark fruit flavor uh, all the way through this cigar that I Really enjoyed coffee, um, all supported by a kind of a tangy pepper backbone. Had a little bit of a flaky ash, but a perfect burn on it. You are waxing poetic with this. This is uh, this is very well ri- well written. I, suppose, I haven't been out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been out of the house. Gotcha. I, mean, I got no outlet. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, actually, I have been out of the house a little bit, but I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, let's see. The second third of this hazelnut and toffee remain prominent. Cedar ramps up. Coffee and dark fruity flavors remain present, and the tangy pepper backbone is solid and pleasant all the way through. The flaky ash still uh, mostly perfect burn. It got a little, little uneven. I'm being picky when I say this. Yeah. It got just a little uneven, but not enough to worry about. The uh, last third of the cigar, uh, the tanginess fades a little bit to the background. Pepper moves forward. Kind of expect that when you get to the last end of a cigar. This is a good solid medium uh, strength cigar. I didn't mention that before. But a good solid medium strength cigar. Not a real huge, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a bruiser or anything like that. But great flavor on this. Uh, the the pepper moves forward. Toffee and coffee follow right up beyond that. And then... Finishing with the nuttiness and that dark fruit. I put raisins because I was kind of tasting a little bit of that in the background. Uh, Flaky ash, perfect burn. This cigar cost me $9 or I think a hair under $9. I give it a 5.5 on our price to quality. Um, And you may not know our uh, price to quality scale, but the way it works is uh, it's a 1 to 10. If you get a 5 on it, you get exactly what you paid for. 
Okay. So, so anything above a five is anything pretty above a five. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's punching a little above its uh, weight class. Anything below, you would you know say, hey, maybe it's good, but it's you know not worth quite that much money. Does this anything was... ever get like a a nine? I mean, or actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it'll okay. it'll surprise you what did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I actually told the story one time of sitting down at a friend's house, and my friend, as a joke, put a um. A, uh, a black and mild? A black and mild, <laughs> where I usually sit around the table, because, yeah. you know, I smoke cigar and stuff there. He goes, hey, I bought you a cigar, and I thought that was funny. Uh, and, you know, not being snobby about it, I smoked it, but I sat down and enjoyed This is This is not a terrible cigar. And it's, what, 99 cents? It's, well, depending on where you buy it, it can be like 80 cents yeah. if you buy it in a little more bulk or whatever. <laughs> so for 80 cents, and the fact that I sat down and enjoyed it with friends and we had some whiskey with it and stuff like that, I gave it a nine. <laughs> because it's hard to beat that for 80 cents yeah. or a dollar. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, sure. and, and clearly the more expensive a cigar is, the tougher it is. Yeah. For it to get uh, an above five rating, if yes. if we're smoking a twelve or fifteen dollar cigar and it gets more than a five, it must have been it's outstanding. An oddly logarithmic yeah. scale, but the <laughs> bottom line is, like, and I'm not saying that the uh, that the black and mild is a great cigar. I am saying bang for the buck. Yeah, time That's, and a place. There's so many things. Yes, very much. That are time That's and place. absolutely true. Jimmy Buffett music. Uh, any other time. Maybe a two, but on the beach. Right. Oh, you're being <laughs> no, nice. you're absolutely right. I, do, <laughs> right. I don't long to hear steel drums on a yeah. daily basis, right. but in the right situation with the right drink in my hand, steel drums are perfect. Absolutely. I, yeah. When I was in Vegas the last time, me and my wife sat and had uh, lunch at the Jimmy Buffett restaurant there. And I got to tell you, in that amount of time, you can get pretty sick of it. And I was just <laughs> trying to think, how do these employees feel? Yeah. Well, I can tell you this. I'm, I've am i just, in the past few years, been able to listen to Jimmy Buffett again. And it all goes back to a year that I spent living in Panama City, Florida. And I would go out. Oh. Every bar, every yeah. restaurant has some guy on a stool in the corner named Captain Asshole uh, <laughs> playing a guitar and doing really bad Jimmy Buffett co- it's, covers. It's kind of like going and through. It's just like I was done, you know? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like going through uh, uh, right outside of Graceland, everywhere you go. Yeah, everything's Elvis. Everything is Elvis. All like there's Elvis, Elvis the signs. Time. You walk into a hotel. The lobby is playing Elvis. I mean, it's like absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like that was a, a good cigar. I'm going to have to go try one of those because uh, it was actually quite good. Yeah, and I will yeah. get another. Yeah, excellent. If you uh, if you get another, grab a second one for me. I'll will I'll, do. I'll page you back. Um, I had something interesting this week, and it was uh, another one of those things that I have not done in years. I smoked a Macanudo. Oh. It's been years. I haven't even and thought about Macanudos much. Absolutely. And, you know, when I first started smoking cigars, I, I smoked lots of Macanudos yeah. because, uh, you know, they're wonderful and mild and, and creamy. And as my palate developed a little bit, I started liking the things that were more, you know, medium to full bodied. Yeah. And, and the Macanudos are, Macanudos are pretty mild. So it's just been a long time since I bought them. However, this week I smoked the Macanudo Inspirado Red Toro. And uh, this line came out a while back, designed to target people who like fuller-bodied cigars. Uh, But I kind of had this specific brand image in my head. You know, Macanudo to me just meant, you know, mellower, milder cigars. And I have several in my humidor of different of different brands. And I was like, well, I don't need any more of those. I got got plenty for when I'm in the mood for that. And I just never really thought about picking this up. Anyway, 
finally, I decided to try it. It was a really beautiful cigar, but then again, I don't think I've ever seen an ugly Macanudo. I right. mean, they, they make them well. Pre-light on this was very grassy and uh, had notes of, you know, that fermented hay and, and wheat. That was really about all I got from it. Nothing to suggest that it wasn't going to be another really mild Macanudo. Right. Uh, but I used a punch, and I lit it up, and immediately I, I knew that this was going to be a very different uh, Macanudo experience. Uh, I should mention that they construct the Inspirado Red with uh, Nicaraguan and Ecuadorian tobacco, all wrapped in an Ecuadorian Habano leaf. So it's got the potential, tobacco-wise, yeah. to, to have a little more of a punch. The first puff, though, this, I actually turned the cigar over in my hand to look at the band to make sure I hadn't picked up the wrong one. <laughs> uh, because uh, it had these full earth aromas. A blast of red pepper was evident right away. Uh, and it, it already was packing a punch. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be different. Uh, the, the second uh, third of this cigar, it started to pick up notes of cedar and dark fruit. Again, Cedar maybe on a Macanudo Cafe, but not not these sort of deep, dark, dried fruit sort of a, wow. a, aromas. Um, it also moved from medium to medium full right around the halfway mark and kept smoking a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. Never got harsh, but a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger as, as I went. Um, I was honestly really surprised at how much I enjoyed this uh, cigar, which just goes to show you, you can't always have these preset notions in your mind. Of what things are going to be. They need to rename it the Big Mac. <laughs> Something. I don't know. Wait, that might be taken. Uh, yeah, I think it may be. Uh, final third continued with the red pepper tang on my tongue, the cedar, and a hint of leather. Construction on this was excellent, um, which I remember had been the case with any you know Macanudo that I'd ever smoked. The burn was good enough. Like you said about yours, wasn't perfectly even the whole way, but close enough. I never tended it. And I have to say, this medium-full cigar was really good. You could even make an argument that it was full-bodied by the time it got to the oh, final wow. third. Uh, and at, at a uh, 6 to $7 price point, I recommend it highly. I give it a 6 on the price to quality, and uh, I will be buying more. And I'm like, I'm going to have Macanudos in my humidor again. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's so. funny to say, Macanudos is just one of those kind of ubiquitous brands that that you start off with a lot of times, and they have them everywhere. So that was like when you first start smoking cigars, it's just one that is always there and you always try. And then, like you said, as you grow away from it, you tend to kind of ignore those brands because it's just taken for granted that, okay, that's that's a good cigar. It does what it does. Right. Well, that's, it, it kind of ties in with a question we'll be asking uh, Lenny about because when you are a, a brand that's been around for a while, and you're maybe the first brand that a lot of people try in your in your category. And then time goes by and all these cool little guys pop up around you doing something new, something different. The challenge has to be how do you continue to keep people engaged? Yeah. You know, how do you continue to keep people coming back to St. Arnold and trying your stuff and, and not and not just saying, Hey, I've 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 had St. Arnold, it's good, but now I'm gonna try all these these other things. So that's a question we'll be getting to in our next segment. And we'll also be getting to some tasting, which I'm really excited about. So uh, let's take our first break. We'll be right back. Lenny Ambrose from uh, St. Arnold Brewery is here and I want to find out a little bit about the history of St. Arnold and and then what's happening now because uh, uh, we, this show is just so long overdue. So here we go. Awesome. Smoking and toasting. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. By the way, all music uh, on Smokin' and Toastin' used by permission. And we really would love to remind you to find us in all of the various places that we exist and uh, access the show in the way that works best for you. We're up on all the podcast networks. We're on, you know, uh, Apple Podcast and Google Play. And you can find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher mm-hmm. and all those other places. You also can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yes, and please do. We, we, we're really trying to get that one beefed up because that was the last one that That's we, the last one. Yeah, so that we if, launched. If you're so. the kind of person that just likes to have the TV with, with some content on in the background, you know what? Put on smoking and toasting. Turn the lights down low. Uh, make out with your significant other. It's a great mood. Mood enhancer. Yeah, this this is the kind of thing you want on in yes. the background. Sounds too. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, uh, I I kind of grew up in in the radio business, and back in the day when I was a young radio guy, they always used to tell me that the only thing you had to do was just tell the audience what you want them to believe. <laughs> and and I was like, well, isn't that kind of no, no, no? You just tell them the way that you know. If you tell them we play the most music, they'll believe we play the most music. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but that you know that tell them what you want them to believe. I find that still that is still happening every day on cable. News. Well, look, I'm just so, I'm just yeah. stating what works for me in my household. Uh, got it. All. Okay. Well, you're you're a different breed of cat, and I think I think that's uh, that's worth talking about. By the way, uh, Johnny Walker uh, Scotch whiskey is soon to receive a makeover. And green is all the rage. And what they mean by that is it's not going to be green whiskey or green bottles. It's they're going green. They're going to be packaging, starting in 2021, plastic-free and glass-free bottles. They're going to be using paper bottles uh, for uh, distribution of Johnny Walker. They developed it in uh, partnership with a venture management company called Pilot Light. And it'll be fully recyclable and crafted from wood pulp that meets food grade standards, and so you can look for that starting next year. See, I don't, That's I don't know. So weird. I think I want my whiskey in glass bottles. I'm I really just trying do. to imagine buying a bottle of Johnny Walker Gold in a paper. Yeah, that doesn't That's, seem it's right. It's weird to me. It doesn't seem right. I don't know. Is it a paper bottle, or do we call it a something other? Now, at least in this case, it's whiskey and not beer, because I already am the guy that likes beer in the bottles because I feel like it gets colder. And Ian likes it in cans. You know, I, but paper would be, I would think, I just, even less cold. Well, you know what sucks is uh, drinking out of those paper straws. Oh, that's like, the worst. Terrible. Yeah, and and here's here's my here's my thing <laughs> about terrible. paper straws. And I'm I'm a total like environment green guy. I really try to do things to, you know, lower my carbon footprint and all of that kind of stuff. But here's the part of it I don't understand: plastic straws are made of plastic. Plastic recycles. Why do we need a shitty paper straw that isn't going to be any more recyclable than I'm, a plastic I'm one? I'm sure there's some kind of reason, but what I do is I have my drink cups, and I just have the uh, the reusable straws. Like, I just wash my straws. Right. That's not a big deal. Yeah, that's yeah. One yeah. thing you have to worry about, though, with the uh, reusable metal straws, if you try, and I found this out a few times during these quarantine times, if you try mm-hmm. to drink a frozen drink out of them, oh, yeah. it'll be like a Christmas story where it We're freezes <laughs> to your lips. To your it lips. actually yeah. does. Yeah. That happens. So uh, I, I actually bought some of the metal straws uh, first, but I kept clacking them against my teeth. Yeah. I was like, eh, that sucks. So I, so I went to the plastic straws. Yeah. And maybe that's just me being you look, know clumsy. Look, here's what but, you have to do. They make this little device. It's... 
like a bottle washer, but it's long and super mm-hmm. thin, yeah. and it works for straws. You yeah. get one of those, you can wash and reuse and your straws you zillions of times. Down, wash your so, straw. I like going down. to Chick-fil-A because they have the big plastic straws, yeah. and they, they're more reusable than the little ones. How do we get So I straws? buy the hard plastic <laughs> ones from, from Arctic. And yeah, then, yeah. And the, then those, you just yeah. use them over and, and over. Yeah. And those work great. So, Oh, I know how we got on that. Uh, paper bottles. Madness. But, yes, beer. madness. Well, beer is, uh, is the, the thing of the moment, and... I'm so excited to have St. Arnold on uh, on the show. Lenny Ambrose is here from St. Arnold. You're the marketing director. Is that your title? Is that right? Uh, I guess CMO, but that okay. sounds so clinical. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> You're the so, guy that gets people excited just, about St. Arnold That's what I here. prefer. Yeah, yes, I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. Well, Lenny and I met a, a long time ago, back when you guys were in the original brewery location. Probably. I, I mean, I was thinking, I've been there um, 13 and a half years, so... About that long ago, yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think it may have been really close <laughs> like to that. Thirteen years ago, yeah, then? absolutely. Yeah. And and you guys hadn't moved yet into the much larger brewery. Um, you no. were you were in like the warehouse area yeah. uh, back over there, and and uh, it was just everything about it. When you went in St. Arnold, now it's got this cool like old school vibe mm-hmm. because of the way the the brewery building is and how old the building is and red brick and it's cool. But back in the day, it just had this. This was a couple of dudes who had a beer idea, and they rented a warehouse. It had that feel to it. And yet, you guys managed to kind of burst onto the scene and become, um, you know, the oldest craft beer in Texas. How um, did—I mean, what's the origin story? How did it happen? Was was Brock homebrewing and then decided to to start distributing it? Is it that simple? Well, he likes to say that— if I can get this right, uh, opening St. Arnold in 1994 was a good idea in 2004. Uh, <laughs> I can't so, imagine what he had to go through. Yeah, By the way, and, and let me just interrupt for a second. Lenny mentioned this during the break. St. Arnold Brewery opened in 1994. Oh, right, yeah. This mm-hmm. is show number 194. Yeah. So it was the perfect show. That's for, can we, that's am right. I justified hey, now? Can we that's taste why. beer before we let's, let's, <laughs> do, let's do that. Yes. So while you pour, Lenny, right. uh, tell us uh, tell us when he opened in 2004, yeah. or opened in 1994, he said it would be a good Been idea a good in 2004. 2004, basically because no one had ever heard of a craft brewery or what that is or, you know, I... You either drank light American lager or maybe some people drank, you know, the good beer from Germany is kind of what people would say. Right, right. So just educating people on what an amber ale was. Yeah, Yeah, Shiner to some extent, too. Um, So that was, you know, the first hurdle. But, you know, you, you... the first week, you know, we had 10 people there for the tour and then <laughs> kind of kept doing it every single week. And then that would grow and grow and grow. And I got there in 2007. And um, for me, at least, I think that was a perfect time because the company had been able to establish itself a little bit, but right, was still you, in the warehouse. You were you in know? grocery stores and, and right. uh, you know, specs and stuff at that point in time. And, and, and so. bars and stuff. Yeah. But still, when I started, we were you would start every conversation with, well, we're a crap brewery or, a, you know, at the time, a microbrewery. And that's what this means and quality over quantity and those kinds of things. And then it's grown past that to where it's just kind of become beer. You know? Right. Well, I remember uh, it would have been about '95, I think, when I had when I first tasted a St. Arnold, and it was the Amber. Yeah. And was that the first one released? It was. Yep. Okay. So the St. Arnold Amber, I remember, I was having a party at my house. I was working for a radio station back then. We were having a party, and a whole bunch of the staff people came over, and everybody brought beer. And I wish I could say it was me that bought the 
uh, St. Arnold, but it wasn't. Somebody brought uh, some of the amber and stuck it in the ice chest. And I remember taking one and saying, wow, this has flavor. What is going on here? <laughs> What's happening yeah, with sure. this? And that got me started, you know, with that being a regular thing that I would buy and, and bring home. And then over oh. time. I kind of, oh man, I really did it wrong. I Uh-oh. did it too slow. You were trying for the sound effect. I was trying effect. dramatic, yeah. and now I have to use the <laughs> bottle opener to kill. There we go. There we go. Wow, that, that really. That's okay. I you know, the sound to, came through, though. When, when it you, did? Okay. When you do real sound effects, sometimes, you know, you're it, it's a live thing. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, it's how it works. Well, so, um, so you, you, said, you bring in a, a, a beer guy to talk about beer. You said, let's taste some beer, and then I immediately give you not beer. Oh, yes, because uh, you're starting but, with cider, aren't <laughs> right. you? Right. Um, so we are going to start with cider, but uh, it's because more of sort of the flavor profile, and I just thought that that might go better at the beginning. Um, but we did start making cider a couple years ago now with a dry cider. This year we've released rosé cider. Um, you would not believe the amount of cider that we tasted uh, to get our cider program off the ground. <laughs> it was a lot of you know heartburn and bad cider <laughs> and stuff. Is uh, cider harder than beer? To, um, the, to, to get right? It, it's just different. It, it is just totally different. And I think at the beginning we were like, let's do cider. Our distributor wants it. Um, we think there's a market for it in our beer garden. So let's do it. And then it became kind of a, now let's figure it out. Oh, my God. Uh, how do we do it? And right. our brewers trying to really figure it out. So it took a while, almost a year, to really dial in. So a rosé cider, What what is the... It's you, not apple, right? It, it, it is absolutely it is apple. apple. Okay. Yeah, absolutely apple. Um, but then there's a little hibiscus to give it kind of a dryness. Mm. Um, and also the color that people would expect. By right, because that is a rosé color for sure. You can see that in the uh, in the cup. But And then it, there's a little ginger, too, actually, mm. that gives it oh. kind of a, a nose and a bite. And uh, It's very refreshing. I, I mean, couldn't got, nail what I was smelling because it was doesn't have a whole lot going on on the nose. Right. But there was something in there, and I couldn't nail it. I was thinking, I was going through all the fruits in my mind, and I couldn't come up with it until you said ginger, and then I took a sip. To me, it is awesome, you know, pool, summertime. Yeah, it's got that vibe to it, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, I've had a lot of this rosé cider over the summer so far. Neighbors are telling me, like, you know, my wife is buying it by the, like, the crate and bringing it home and stuff, so... Uh, we're really proud of that one, and um, you know when the beer garden is open, <laughs> right. it's, it's super popular out Which there. As we'll, well definitely talk about we, that. We definitely. Now, one will. of my one of my issues with a lot of ciders is how <laughs> sweet they tend to be, and this this uh, does not have that. It's dry cider, uh-huh. so it's so it's not going to be as sweet. But I love that about it. It's not sticky sweet. It's real, real clean on the palate, and then leaves that dryness afterwards. Real nice, Lenny. How does cider sell for you guys as opposed to an iteration of beer? Um, it is. If it was like a beer brand, it would be down the line, mm-hmm. the seventh or eighth. So not giant, not giant, um, but not maybe all the way at the the bottom either. Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Kind of middle of the pack, and we want it to grow. That's there the seems idea. to be uh, among craft brewers. There seems to be. Two schools of thought about cider and also about hard seltzer. Of course, they're not the same thing. But on the one hand, you've got uh, places like Sam Adams, that that's kind of how they've kept things together yeah, during uh, during the proliferation of so many other craft breweries. And them being one of the older ones, they they have kept their bottom line going by introducing a lot of very successful mm-hmm. hard seltzers and, and some cider as well. 
And then you got breweries like Stone. I think I mentioned this to you, uh, Ian. I got I got some uh, merchandise from them that I ordered online, and it came with a few like extra coasters and stickers. And one of the coasters said on it, "Hard cider, where poor quality and bad taste meet." <laughs> yeah. And and so I was like, okay, I think we know where Stone stands on the hard cider. Uh, until you, they change their mind. Until that, they change yeah. their mind and like sell a bunch of, of it. Us, yeah, we do. You know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Happens. Would uh, you guys aren't doing a hard cider now? Are you? Uh, uh, you mean uh, a hard? I'm, sel- I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, seltzer. A uh, hard seltzer. Yes. We we aren't. Um, you know, I, I would say we aren't going to, but. I, we also said we're never going to do cans and that we would never do something fruited. And that's sort of what I mean. Like, I, I know Stone at one point said, you know, our beer is not right for cans. That's and, not our and thing. Now and they're and in they, cans. they yeah. do cans. Yeah, yeah um, I get it. I get it. And, and I think people mean that. And Brock certainly meant it. You know, we're not doing cans until you don't mean it anymore mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And now cans are well, 70% early, of our business. And Earlier we were I talking, understand. you said, hey, there's a time and place. Like when we're talking about the yeah. cigar, there's a time and place. And sometimes cans are the right thing. Well, yeah. I know that during the pandemic, cans actually saved uh, a few craft breweries yep. that were bottle only before they switched to cans and it allowed them to get you know shelf space and it uh, made it easier for them to do transport and stuff during a time when they were trying, when everybody's trying to figure out how to stay alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's interesting. You're right. Until it, it's the thing, until it's not the thing. Right. right? And, yeah. and uh, a, a slight difference with Sam Adams, and neither one is right or wrong, is that, you know, like we make St. Arnold cider. Sam Adams does Angry Orchard cider. Right. And truly sparkling or hard uh, Things with a, with a different brand. Twisted tea. Right, right, right. Where people, the average cu- customer doesn't even know that it's them doing it. Right. And that's. You it know, may we, say Boston Beer Works on the cans. Yeah, yeah, somewhere or Cincinnati, which is where a lot mm-hmm. of their stuff is made. So just kind of a brand choice, I guess. It's it's really interesting. And you guys have kept, um, you, you know, your your look and your, your brand image with St. Arnold um, pretty consistent yeah. across most of your beers. There's now a few that have come out that are that are slightly different yeah, just in terms to of the, have some fun. Yeah, but it's 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 always been an interesting thing. And of course, when you see it on the cider can, I kind of go. Well, if I'm going to try a cider, I want to try one these guys do. So yeah, it's it's got that it's got that kind of impact. I think it's this is really good. I mean, I will. It's, I, I this slammed is a, mine. It was this, yeah. Super this is yummy. a regular uh, keep some in the fridge mm-hmm. type of thing. And I'm like you, Ian. I don't always say that with ciders because some of them are are just a little too sweet for my yeah. A lot uh, of them. Palate. A lot of them. Honestly, uh, honestly, I don't. I haven't had that many ciders that I really enjoyed. We had uh. uh Blair from Austin East Side, as he's moved on to uh, a different company now. We had him on the show a hundred episodes ago, something like that. Yeah, and his ciders and, were and really he good. Had some nice ciders. Um, I just don't like them when they're real sweet. I uh, was at a bar one night and they had those there, and I ordered one, and the bartender gave me the wrong one, and I thought, oh, I just drank it. And it just, I could it, not get yeah. through it. Like that's how much <laughs> I don't like those really sticky sweet ones. This was so good, I just just mowed right through it. I like. <laughs> It's more carbonated than what I generally like too, and it works with but this. It, it's really it does good. work, yeah. It really good. does. You you kind of want that for the refreshment yeah. of the uh, of the beverage. So that is really that, good. That crisp, like uh, it's like an apple tartness that you end up with at the end is really nice. Too. Yeah, it's not sour, but it's no. got it's got some just, tartness. Just a to tiny it. little snap yeah. to it's, it. It's good. Recommended. Uh, all right. While we uh, while we maybe open job for him. while we maybe open up the next one, I, I want to mention Wait, a look, comment. Hold, hold on. 
Ooh, Ooh, there oh, that's it is. Good. That's good. Now, that was real. I'll tell you a little uh, smoking and toasting secret. When you do that, yeah. <laughs> when you do that, then what you want to do is drop the bottle cap on the table okay, right. so you get a little clangety noise yeah, sure. when the bottle cap drops. Yeah, you're um, not done yet, right? <laughs> while uh, while you're pouring, uh, Lenny, I'll mention uh, Joseph Vargas on the uh, uh, on the comments. Uh, uh, we were talking about the history of St. Arnold. He says, I remember when Brock delivered his own beer in 1997 in his van. Amazing man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's that's how it got to the stores. One of my early St. Arnold uh, stories, I, so I moved into Houston, and I was in some bands and things like that, and we used to play a lot around town. St. Arnold's you could find almost everywhere, you know, yeah. and they were, they were, uh, they were, sponsoring things all the time so you'd see their banners and stuff and uh and i made it a personal mission to try to drink uh all the brown ale i could find uh-huh. I really really enjoyed the brown ale <laughs> rest in peace brown yes ale. <laughs> <laughs> i missed it yeah but um but uh one time i got a call from a friend of mine billy parks i think his name had a band called parks and wildlife and they were nice. playing at the brewery and he goes come on up there's there's beer and everything else and i show up and you had cups similar to this. You go up to the bar and you fill it with beer and you drink it. And you go back and you just <laughs> yeah. keep doing this, right? And then Billy walks up to me during one of their set breaks and goes, hey, you know, if you buy one of the pint glasses, you don't have to stand by the bar the entire time. <laughs> I said, okay. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> so I did that. And then about an hour later, I call my brother-in-law and I say, hey, Dave. He's like, what's going on? I said, you're going to have to come pick me up. Yep. <laughs> And he goes. This is in the pre-Uber oh, days, right? Right. Well, yeah. this is pre-cell phone. This is this was late nineties, yeah. uh, probably ninety-six to ninety-seven-ish, somewhere in there. And um, and uh, and so he goes, "Oh, okay, man, I'll, I'll come get you." And so he comes up and he's looking at my glass and he's like, "If you go buy one of those, they fill them over there." <laughs> and about an hour and a half later, we're calling my sister, going, "Yeah, hey, <laughs> Elaine, you got to come pick us both up." <laughs> yep. That that happens to everybody. Uh, yeah, eventually, it, it, it one really time. does. Um, so, uh, Brock, what is this? What, uh, I'm sorry, I called you Brock. See, we were talking about Brock doing the deliveries. Uh, Lenny, what is yes. this uh, that we're going that we're tasting? Now? So, uh, raspberry sour aged mm-hmm. in whiskey barrels uh, with vanilla bean. So, is this the raspberry AF? That, raspberry okay. AF base. Yep. And oh, then, but the, but you've aged it, in, right, right? Aged it for 13 months. Uh, months in Gulf Coast Distillers whiskey barrels that we got mm. locally. Our neighbors in the East End there. And uh, there's a little vanilla bean. And the first time we released this, we only did it on nitro, on draft. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually carbonated. And, um, yeah, I, so I, I love this beer. I loved Boiler Room. Oh, man. I bought I used so to many buy of those. those bombers. They were like five bucks yeah. for a bomber. And it was delicious. Beer. We're about to do – We it was canned today. If I had known, I would have brought some off the canning line. I'm sorry. But <laughs> – we canned uh, a run of uh, Boiler Room that'll be available to go from the beer garden. Oh, I'll be swinging nice. by. So, like, we, yeah. in a week or so. Nice. Yeah. I love I Boiler loved Room. It. Yeah. And we, then we had it on the show and then right. it disappeared. Yeah. Right. And then it just was gone one day. Yep. And then Raspberry AF showed up. Yep. And I drank a lot of that. The Raspberry I AF was, from time to was time. is Boiler Room, but with raspberry. With, with a lot yeah, of with raspberries. raspberries. Yeah. A lot of raspberry. Just Boiler Room. It was slightly ahead of its time, and then, like, as soon as we got rid of it, all these other Berliner Weiss started yeah, cropping, cropping up and up. stuff. Yeah. Wow. We just didn't put it in the right package, and it just 
uh, wrong package, wrong time, a little too early. And so let me ask you this yeah. question about about a beer release. And by the way, this is amazing. Yeah, uh, a little it's got, funkiness. It's to got it. that little funkiness from the aging, and you can yep. taste a little bit of the bourbon. It's uh, like barrel. Uh, flavors the raspberry and, seed, like you can taste mm-hmm. right there that that raspberry seedy kind of flavor what, going on. What is the ABV on this? Uh, it's up to so it's six point six. So so that's so not that a little higher than the raspberry. AF, yeah, right? it is. Yeah. But uh-huh. it, but it tastes maybe a little boozier than even. It tastes more like the beers we have towards the end of the show, which are usually uh you know <clears throat> usually a little higher in in ABV, but uh, it's good. It's a it's very really good. warm, friendly aftertaste. I think that's the influence of the barrel on that one. So what yeah, is absolutely what is this called, and can people buy it? Yep. So it's just raspberry sour aged in whiskey barrels. It is doesn't have a, be... a name that is uh, sold to go from the beer garden in the okay. in these bottles in these five hundred milliliter bottles. So that's yeah, not sure. something we'll find at Specs or in the grocery store. Nope. This is beer garden. No, nope. okay. uh, we're trying to do some now that we won the right in the legislature to do beer to go from mm-hmm. the brewery, which we is is a new thing and has kept a lot of breweries afloat. Yes. Um, we uh, we've done some special releases, and you know, there's a lot of times where we can't make enough to send to every chain and every store. So we wanted to be able to do some kind of smaller, few barrel sort of things here and there, and just release them, and people have responded to it a lot. When you guys are <clears throat> brewing something new, do you know at the time you're brewing it whether it's going to be a limited release, or obviously you do with with certain things like the. Bishop's Barrel or Divine Reserve, but, yeah. but we, say, let's just say you're coming out with a, I don't know, you've got a new a, a hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. So you're coming out with that. Do you know at the time you're brewing it and starting to can it, this is going to be a permanent one or this is limited? Or do you put it out and then make that decision when you see how it's received? The, it's a couple different ways. I think the way we've sort of settled into the most often is it kind of starts with sales a lot of times mm-hmm. in that they say... We need something like this. Uh, b- brewing innovation team, can you get us some, you know, brew some test batches of a hazy, noble hopped beer or whatever that thing is right. to kind of slot in this area? So it is trying to hit a target. But then there's also sometimes that we go for an R&D meeting and uh, Aaron, the guy that runs that program for us, comes in and is like, all right, we've got these test brews, and it's just out of left field, and sometimes there's a hit in that regard, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, we want more of this. Maybe if it was just tweaked a little bit, and then the next meeting he might, or two meetings, three meetings from then, might have three different versions of that kind of thing, and then it's sort of narrowing it down from there. So so when you released Art Car IPA, for example, that was did a you very know that was going to be yes. that was going to be a regular part of your yes. line? We needed a, a new, newer style IPA that emphasized sort of the fruit flavors of an IPA mm-hmm. rather than the bitterness, which is more like, you know, Alyssa, Alyssa is more yeah, of right. kind of a English style or whatever, a, a, a more bitter old school style IPA. I'm, and, I'm the big IPA fan of the two of us, and uh, Art Car for me came out at the perfect time because yeah. I was just about getting a little burned out on... Alyssa, an art car was just the shift that I wanted to to a, a, to a different kind of flavor. Do you still brew Alyssa? Oh yeah, because yeah, I do. still see it's, it every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, yeah. and it's ju- it's not I, in cans; it's just in bottles. I and... drank so much Alyssa that oh, my I goodness, kind yeah. of burned out. Yeah, 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 sure, totally, totally. But uh, when I see it somewhere, I still pick it up once in a while. So when let me ask this from a marketing standpoint: when you release Art Car, 
and it's a hit, as it certainly was. Yep. Um, how much of that comes from people who were buying Alyssa before, and how much of it is new, would you say? Um, I think that beer brought more new people into the fold, even mm-hmm. uh, even right at the outset. Um, that beer was definitely a game changer for us. And, you know, you talked about in the open, um, how do you win new people over? How do you not become stale when other mm-hmm. newer breweries are opening up? Um, I think what Art Card did for us was turn that corner to keep the art car metaphor going mm-hmm. uh, for us to have people see us in a different way. Is that your best seller? What, what's the it best is, seller? Yeah, it, art car it is, yeah. It is surpassed seasonal and lawnmower um, as our number one brand and is still growing, you know, double digits. Obviously, this year, the draft sales have taken a hit. Yeah. But uh, tremendously. But um, but right now, yeah, it's our number, number one individual brand still Double digits. Well, the raspberry right. sour is terrific, and, I, and it's just like mm, more. You mentioned yeah. the funkiness in there. There is a little funk in there that I really, really enjoy too. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's terrific. That is, I'm going to be going by and picking up. Yeah. Well, thanks. Much we will, of that. We we've often, directly affecting. Sales. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've often said, Lenny, that smoking and toasting directly affects sales, even if it's just <laughs> Ian and me swinging by the brewery. Oh to my pick goodness, up some we things. sold two more bottles yeah, this month. Right. How is that possible? Lenny, you got to go on that show again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do a little more beer. We will eventually get to some tequila. And I want to uh, bring people up to speed with a few things happening out there in the news, namely this whole fake Instagram scam that's going on to scam uh, cigar uh, cigar fans. So we'll tell you what what to worry about if you're on uh, if you're on Instagram. It's not a big deal, but you know, just power uh, knowledge is power. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Speak word to power. I don't know what I'm trying <laughs> to say. We'll, we'll be truth. Nobody to power. knows what you're trying <laughs> to say. Hell, I'll be right back. It's uh, smoking and toasting. <laughs> Back at Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. If you are a cigar uh, person, you are on Instagram. You may want to be careful. the uh, The editors at Cigar Aficionado, along with uh, some people at Cigars International, the online uh, cigar retailer, uh, have identified a number of fake Instagram accounts that are impersonating either. Cigar Aficionado or Cigars International, and there may be more. These are just the ones that we know about. Basically, they're trying to steal money and steal identities, they say, from cigar lovers on Instagram. They operate by following or direct messaging people who follow cigar accounts with names similar to, like, Cigar Aficionado. Like, one of them was Cigar Aficionado Prize, at Cigar Aficionado Prize on Instagram. Uh, They might offer a prize or claim to be supporting Mm. COVID-19 efforts, and then they start requesting personal information, such as your bank account and social security number. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. Folks, Cigar Aficionado does not need your social security number. Stop. First off, anybody that isn't the actual government standing in front of you that wants your social security number, don't. Remember when they used to ask you, back in the days when you would write a check at the grocery store? Yeah. And they would ask for your social security number? And I would say, I'd be happy to show you my card. I'm not writing it on no. the check. 
Yeah. <laughs> bad idea. Yeah, bad idea. Anyway, uh, so be careful of that if you're on Instagram. Just generally, like Ian said, no, you don't need to be giving your bank account information to anybody that you're not authorizing to take money out of your bank account. <laughs> bank that's, account. Uh, that, that's bank it. Account? So. All you have to do is send us this check, and we'll send you a lot of money. That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a prince in a faraway land, I don't, and, mm-hmm. and I need to come to your country, and I'll be happy to give you millions of dollars. Can you send me 10000 right now? Yeah, I don't. I don't even like. I go to the grocery store, or not the grocery store, but like the the, uh, the department stores and stuff, and they'll ask you for your phone number at the register. And I always look at the lady. I'm going to look. My wife is right here next to me. Okay, we can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it totally works. It totally works. I love it. Um, Lenny Ambrose from St. Arnold is here. Uh, Lenny, I know you probably answered this question a thousand times, but because it is the first time we're having you on the show. Uh, Tell me, is there in fact a St. Arnold, the patron saint of brewers, or yep. is that a legend crafted to make the beer cool? Well, can it can it be both? <laughs> I love it if it's both. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he actually was a, a real guy, uh, the patron saint of brewers. Um, his miracle was uh, having uh, the never-ending beer mug. I love that. Uh, yeah, I love that. As, as uh, well as some other things, but you know, the patron saint of brewers. He was a, a brewer himself, a very popular bishop, uh, as you might imagine. I would if, say if so. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there were a number of names that that Brock was kind of looking at when he was going to name uh, the brewery, which actually is interesting because another uh, couple of um, the finalists, I think, were Real Ale mm-hmm. and Live Oak. Uh, and so this was before both of those breweries opened. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so like a couple years, but and th- those guys have been around a long time as well. I think both really, great it was like '95. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so just great minds think alike at the time. But yeah, he settled on St. Arnold, and um, I think part of it was sort of the, you know, to be able to use like the guy and stuff as kind of a mascot it fit for him a little better than some of the other names. You know, I grew up in the Baptist church. That was what my parents were Baptist. And, and uh, in the Baptist church, it was kind of like, we don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. And when I found out there were other religions that, like, <laughs> that, that, like the big guys in the religion actually were brewers, I realized I, I was definitely born into the wrong Except for you see those people looking down in the uh, <laughs> the um, liquor store when you pass by them. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. neither of you see each other <laughs> in the smoke true. shop or That's the liquor absolutely store true. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, to, the fact that there's an actual saint who is a uh, patron saint of brewers, I, I think it's just wonderful. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, saint Arnold uh, formed or founded in Houston, Texas in 1994. When did you move into the much larger larger uh, facility. What year was that? Uh, uh, over Just over 10 years ago. Wow, has it been this long? They moved into a facility right by where all cars were towed. Yep, <laughs> that's right. And That's how I knew exactly where it was. A lot of people said the same thing, and we would d- kind of if, describe if it. If you lived in Houston, yep. and you parked your car anywhere downtown, and I mean anywhere, mm-hmm. it got towed. Yes. And that's where it went, to the lot, right next to where... He's right. (laughs) That's absolutely right. I'll tell you another thing about their St. Arnold location. This didn't wind up happening, and it's probably good that it didn't. But when my business partner and I were growing our uh, business, which is part of how we knew uh, Lenny from back in the day, Mm -hmm. we actually considered and did a walkthrough tour. We actually considered renting office space in the new St. Arnold Brewery. We had a discussion about it. Uh, I I think the primary reason that 
I thought it might be a good idea because I think I was the one that said they're going to have a lot of space. Maybe they'd rent us some extra space. And and so we did a walkthrough of it just before it was open. But I, I think I just loved the idea of you know, okay, what time is it? Oh, about four thirty. Yeah, I think the day. <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs. Let's, let's go upstairs. <laughs> and all that extra space we had, like uh, we're going to put a bowling alley in oh, here. Oh yeah, that's all that's full. <laughs> that's all well, full now. It right? quickly filled yeah, up. Actually, yeah, it ended yeah. up. You would have uh, been kicked out after like six absolutely, months. <laughs> absolutely. We're like, okay, we'll leave, but we're taking beer yeah, with us. Yeah, right. Uh, oh man. So uh, what is this one that you've opened now? This is the I, summer pills. Summer right? pills. It's you know just because you're a beer. huge fan of summer pills. I have been. You? I have been crushing this beer since I saw it on the shelf mm-hmm. every single season it comes out this is one of my absolute keep in my refrigerator go to yeah it really is and it, it's one of those things that almost signals the beginning of a season yeah you know when when this comes out it'll come out in the I, spring and, and i it's like just, i like the lawnmower and a few other of the uh uh, St. Arnold on the lighter side beers, but this one is my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's polarizing because I have some friends who really don't like this one. And I'm like, what is not to like? It's amazing. It's now, see, malty. It's delicious. Uh, see, that's what I think about lawnmower. Like, like I was never a huge fan of lawnmower. And I know guys that just, it's their absolute favorite thing in the world is lawnmower. I have since gone back to it and discovered I liked it more than I thought I did. So maybe... You know, over time, your palate you know changes and stuff. But but yeah, I was never a big didn't lawnmower fan, and I, I but I did find that people either loved it or it wasn't. Yeah, perfect. didn't you yeah. also have a different version of lawnmower that was weed whacker? Yeah, th- yeah. That what was, was that? Uh, so that was lawnmower, the lawnmower base malt, uh-huh. um, and and hops and everything, the exact same uh, uh, beer as lawnmower, except for instead of Kolsch yeast, it was uh, Hefeweizen yeast. Okay, okay. So, so yeah. it was sort of like a half Hefeweizen. It did change the flavor substantially. Yeah, I like that one. You a lot get too. bubble gum and banana kind of flavors, yeah. um, like you would in a Hef. Um, and that was one of those. You know, it kind of had its life cycle, and then it was we out for a couple years, and, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one honestly that we might could do again. In like a can run from mm-hmm. the beer garden, having the beer to go ability gives us like let's just make a couple hundred cases of weed whacker. Okay, I'm gonna raise my hand. If you're gonna bring back anything that used to be, <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta put in a vote for Sailing Santa. Oh, okay, yeah. Sailing See, Santa yeah. was it was Alyssa and Christmas ale, Christmas ale combined. Yep, and it was wonderful. Also, for my sake. I wish you would make Christmas sale all year round. Although I'm kind of <laughs> glad you don't, because I would yeah, be, that's a, I would be in bad shape. That's kind of a wreck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love but, Christmas oh, sale. But, oh, that sailing Santa was just so good. Yeah. Um, so that was one of those that you know they like they have the what is it like the monster fries at. Uh, in and out, like they talk about the off-menu things, right? Right, that you can go in and ask for yeah, if you know about it's them. It's not yeah. on the menu, but so that became one of those. Sailing Santa was people just started combining it at the old brewery, really, mm-hmm. and um, it just had like a little cult following. So we brewed it, and then we we spiced it when we brewed it um, commercially, and then another one that just you know kind of lived out its life cycle. Well, and, I will tell you, I okay, actually, that's good. I know. actually tried making my own. And it wasn't Santa, the same. And it was not the same. No. Yeah, it was okay. not the same. All right. So. <laughs> uh, mine would be Winter Stout. For like if, oh, Winter Stout. If we great. were going to bring back a, a limited release beer, something that we haven't done in a while, 
it'd be a winter stout. Ian, I just before we get too far away from the summer yeah. fills, I wanted to make sure that we got a good shot of that on the camera because that is one of the more creative uh, St. Arnold with the cooler uh, uh, for summer can, uh, thing. And I love what I love, I love most about St. Arnold has the sunglasses on. Yeah, what He's I, a little tan. What I love most about tan. the summer pills is that it's a pilsner that's got a real like upfront kind of uh, kind of uh, taste and flavor to it. Mm-hmm. A lot of pilsners are thirst quenching. But just don't have that much flavor, and, and summer has a lot of is, body is in the very beginning flavor. of the palate, yes. and and that's what I love about it so much. But it is also, as it says on the label, crisp and refreshing. It is multi-time gold medal 5%? winner at the Great American Beer Festival. Yeah, just under five, four point nine percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. so it's not too heavy, and I like heavy beers. You know, you know how I am. Like I can't yes. wait for this barley wine. Yes, we're looking forward. But to it. so <laughs> this is on the very very light side for me. You know. Now, yeah. um Lenny, uh, before we go to the uh, Noble Haze, I, I just want to mention, as you guys have gone through your uh, sort of IPA progressions, I was a fan of the Alyssa. I haven't seen this Loved one. when Art Car came out. You did this cocoa. What, what, what is the cocoa, the other one, that the can is similar to that? Co- uh, let, me, let me try to say the name of it. Oh, Subbroken. Subbroken Nut. That's, yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm... So that was an IPA too, right? Yep. Um, and our brewers have really like knocked it out of the park in that, the IPA That was game. a great beer. Now, that was, a, that was a short run, right? Short run, yep. It, it was in store some, and so is the Noble Haze as well. And it was actually kind of a similar can. Yes, so we're sort it was of orange and, like, and, and hop yeah. drop beers is mm-hmm. what we're sort of calling them internally. And what about uh, what about the Juicy IPA? That, Juicy that IPA do? is a year-round beer. That's that's a really good beer. I, I love Juicy IPA. I've had more of that than probably anything of ours lately. Um, it is not a hazy IPA, right. but it's sort of all the juicy flavor that you mm-hmm. get from a very, hazy IPA. Very citrus, but but not quite with that same mouthfeel to yes, it. Yes, softness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Ah, look at this guy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm not People typically... People you know what you're talking about. You stop it over there. <laughs> I'm not typically a hazy IPA guy because I don't like the softness that a lot of them have. And Juicy has a little bit of bitterness at the end that sort of offsets that. So mm-hmm. that's why I drink it a lot. And same with, in some cases, uh, the Noble Haze. So most of the time... Uh, hazy IPAs are kind of cool kid hops, these new breeds of right, hops. Right, these that real... Uh, esoteric ones or uh, mm-hmm. sabro hops that we use in some broken up. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. right. Um, but which you get some coconut, which is mm-hmm. why it's so broken up island from sabro hops. This is old school, um, noble hops like the holler towel, the, the ones that are in beers like Summer Pills and that have been so around forever. This noble hops has such a dry and crisp finish to it mm-hmm. without leaving it as like some of the other hops without leaving it as a uh, grapefruit finish mm-hmm. yeah um, it's it's a little bit darker kind of hop feel if that makes any sense danker the, would you say danker danker, danker yeah we love we that. love we love saying <laughs> we love calling something dank that's a, that's one of our dank. favorite words uh, I would say that this starts. A lot like most of the hazy, yep. juicy, you call them sort of the hip kid uh, IPAs. Yeah. It starts like that, but it finishes more it, like a traditional this IPA. This starts yes. like pineapple orange juice. Mm-hmm. Totally. You, and not in any kind of bad or negative yeah. way. I mean, this is like pineapple orange juice. It's viscous, too. It's very... We we had, on last week's show, we did, we did that... Uh, that beer from Untitled Art that was the yeah. uh, the collaborative beer yeah. that was the hazy IPA the uh, and and it was just it was mo- almost more like a citrus milkshake yeah. with a little bit of beer to it. 
this starts like it's going to be that, but it doesn't finish like that at all. It finishes much more traditional. No, this this finishes way more drink. I, I, you know, if you put noble hops on a beer label, I'm almost always going to try it. Yeah, Sam noble Adams guy. did a noble hop they years did. ago that was mm-hmm. outstanding. A noble pills, noble actually. pills, noble yeah. Pills. yeah, that's right. Pills. That's right. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. it's. I was going to ask you this question about hops with the proliferation of all these little uh, breweries and with the. You know, sort of trend in IPAs, especially over the last several years, of people just trying to cram ridiculous amounts of hops into things. Is it more difficult for you guys to source really good quality hops than it used to be? We we have uh, an advantage, you know, in that we buy a lot. So if uh, a hop supplier that we buy a lot from already for other beers and art car or whatever. If they have some new experimental stuff, they'll kind of come to us with it. So and that, say, hey, you, know, you want to try some of this? Buying yeah. advantage, yeah. That, try cool. some of the, it's cool. free the first time. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But, You'll like this little yeah, kid. Right. <laughs> you yeah. want it. But, um, I, you know, people will, will ask us why a beer like Juicy or Sabrokanut or Noble Haze mm-hmm. is more expensive when they see it on the shelf next right. to Art Car. Right. Maybe it comes in a four-pack or maybe it, yeah. it's just a couple dollars more and per, it's just hops are expensive yeah <laughs> and, and, it makes and they sense. use a lot more can i can sense. i also say thank you for not making any of your beers taste like old gross pine cones uh, <laughs> <laughs> how about new gross pine cones uh, that- <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well it's I, I get it but no you guys really have um i think really nailed the ipa category with with these releases and i and i love that you you're putting out Limited releases, although I, I will be sad when this one goes away. But uh, but it really is cool though that that it feels like you there is regularly every month or two I'm finding a new St. Arnold yeah. product on the shelf, and you guys at least here in our home city have got effective enough distribution now that I'll see it pop up. I don't necessarily have to go to you know a mega uh, a mega beer department to to find something new and different definitely and it and it's it's always always awesome when you see it all right we're going to take a break when we come back and this by the way this is really good did we show this can cuz this is this is available now, right? Um, it is available now in HEB, Kroger, Specs, all of our favorite places, plus to go from the beer garden as mm-hmm. well. And it looks a little different, but you'll find it next to our beer. And kudos to those you know, retailers for buying into that kind of stuff and not just saying, oh, we just want your amber and well, our car. Yeah, you know, th- that is really cool. But I think you guys have had such a good track record of people wanting these new things that it makes it easier for you know, yeah. the retailers to go, yeah, we'll talk it. We'll, we'll give it a try. So, yeah. all right, when we come back, Ian, there uh, has been a new study uh, released, and there's a certain kind of beer drinker that is likely to be a more adventurous and open-minded kind of person. And I will tell you who exactly that beer drinker is when we return. Plus more St. Arnold to taste, and we got some tequila, tequila miagave on the show. We'll uh, get to that in just a moment. It's Smoking and Toast, and we'll be right back. I just like, you know, feeling like I'm part of the song. That's all. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We're so glad to have you guys here for show number 194, where we finally... Uh, I still have the guitar and amp that I recorded that on. Yeah? Uh, good to know. Good to know. Uh, we still have drinking news coming up for you. Speaking of things that Ian's supposed to be working on recording, uh, which is our musical intro for drinking news. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, talk about My it. legs are sore. What, do you... 
like been riding your mountain bike? What have you been doing? No, I wish. I've uh, so so as a musician, um, I'm not making any money. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. So I have been reflooring oh. a house, <clears throat> and I got to tell you, my quads from like getting up and down off of the floor for three days straight are just killing me. Like I got out of bed, I was doing the old man walk this morning. I was like, my legs. No, they're gonna I, be like huge and ripped when I'm done. I will tell you that I I, I totally sympathize. I haven't done reflooring, but I uh, spent a number of years uh, laying terrazzo and tile uh, when I was younger. So I I. I get, yeah. I get what you're talking I'm about. I'm doing pergo, but it's still up and down, up and down. And down. What I don't understand is are, do those quads that you're talking about. Is that is that something that you would use to write and record the uh, <laughs> Drinking News theme song? No, or? I've been I've been working other stuff that oh, isn't music. Gotcha. That's gotcha. the bottom. Is smoking and, music, smoking and toasting isn't paying the bills. Yeah, as is a that musician, <laughs> well, <laughs> like you were the first thing to go. Like I, I understand that everyone's worried about bartenders, but guess what? If bartenders aren't working, guess what musicians yeah. are doing? Yeah. But, well, usually when musicians can't find work, can't find work. They, they are they, bartenders. They bartend, right? exactly. So, uh, so yeah. So that option's gone as well. Um, Ian, there's a new study out that shows that fans of a particular kind of beer, a particular style, are thought to be more creative and more likely to take risks and do incredible things. Is it um, macro brew light beer? No. Is it uh, macro? No, sorry, I can't even go can't, on. Can't with come it. up with it. I'll tell you who it is, Ian. It's drinkers of IPAs and pale ales. Ta da! <laughs> no, stop, 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 no, stop. No, no, this is stop. a real study. Slow down, Turbo. Listen, are you trying to tell me that people that drink the most popular craft beer style out there are the ones that take chances, not the ones that drink, uh, I don't know, barley wines and barrel aged. Uh, Beers and um, according see, to sours look, and I didn't write this. This is I'm just this is a study I'm, that's been. I'm just going to point out. In case that, you haven't guessed, Lenny, we have kind of one IPA centric yeah. person on the show. I'm sorry, one person if, who's. If you're the guy that just drinks IPAs and you really what do you mean like just like, drinks IPAs, I just drink IPAs, so I'm creative. That seems like you're writing, you're phoning it in. You know, like you're just. Well, despite ale, according to the study, despite ale drinkers being perceived as calmer than their larger cousins, they still have an edge. Scientists believe the unexpected results of the study involve personality assessments and blind taste tests to discover links when it comes to bitterness in flavor. Researchers traditionally thought people who experience bitterness more intensely are more likely to avoid it and choose different tastes. But a Penn State Century Evaluation Center study discovered that people who seek novel sensations and perceive bitter tastes more intensely are more likely to prefer bitter, pale ale-style beers and IPAs and drink them more often. It's science, you know? So... There's Science, always a huh? study. And, there's and always, there's a always a study. I noticed oh, yeah. that ESB wasn't on that list, yeah, right? Well, I like well, ESBs I a lot. Cask well, ESB, and, and, one and of in, those people. In, in fairness, <laughs> in fairness, you enjoy a good IPA. Uh, it has to be a good IPA. And yes. I enjoy a good barley wine. So yeah. long as it doesn't stick to my teeth when uh, I'm done <laughs> drinking it, I, I like it like it really well. You know, I brought a uh, 
harvest ale, like an old harvest ale in at one point in time, and it had some floaties in it, and I think oh, that yeah. scarred him for life. I, I, I don't mind some sediment. Like, I've had some great IPAs that have had a little bit of, you know, sort of like hop sediment that have collected the that bottom was, of the can. That was also the last time he let me bring all the beers for the show, because I think the, <laughs> the lightest beer I brought was at 8%, and, <laughs> yeah. and it went yeah. up from there. Um, so this beer, I'm guessing, that you just poured is a little higher ABV. Because this is oh well no but this is not a double is it it's a double dry so hop. so uh, art car it in and of itself is you know it is going to punch you in the face sometimes yes. if you have enough what is um, a regular art car uh, ABV uh, do you seven two seven three right. oh, is it that yeah. high so but that's a f- not unusual for an IPA no it isn't but you know it's bigger than summer pills or a lot right right sure um, so this is definitely not higher alcohol so I'll just kind of take you through the trajectory on this okay. so I had to look it up because I couldn't remember so it is uh, double dry hopped with HBC 586 that's the name of the hop mm-hmm. and galaxy which is everybody knows that it which is one of those cool kid hops mm-hmm. but HBC 586 is kind of an experimental hop that um, uh, that a hop grower has not named yet. So that's why it has like a like one of those planets right. that we haven't given a name yet. It yes. just has like a designation. So our plan was to release this um, in limited quantities at the beer garden. The brewers they pull off some regular art car and then they just do another dry hop run with those hops. So it starts so, as Art Car, starts and then as they Art hop car. it again with, uh, with the, this The hop. Malton hops are the same as Art Car, but they do another dry hop. What th- We were going to release it this past Wednesday, um, and in the process, the uh, Aaron, uh, our brewing innovation guy, determined that he the method that we were dry hopping did not come in contact with the beer enough for their liking. So what this is, it is the first run that employees got just because they weren't, the brewers weren't happy with it. It's still a great beer. It's still art car and it's still double dry hop, but just not to the level that the next round will be. So So we did not release it. We scrapped it um, and are delaying it probably in just until next week to do another run of that. So when this comes out, yeah, there will be a version of this come out, but yep. it'll be the one that you're you've increased the contact between the hops and the and the beer. Is and that what you're beer. saying? And I brought it because I thought, oh, we can kind of drill down into what all that means. I like, like it. Like it's good. It's and delicious. There is certainly nothing wrong with it. But I think also, if I can kind of brag about us a little bit, is that we won't release anything unless we are absolutely. 100% pleased with it. Um, you know, we're wasting a little bit of beer, um, but it's worth it for our guys to dial that in and be something that they are completely content with. Are you gonna, Again, not that this tastes bad. Are you going to throw away all yeah, the beer? Yeah, see, that's the next thing. And, <laughs> and we actually posted it uh, earlier in the week on social media, just telling people we're not going to have it. And this is why, and we kind of went through the story mm-hmm. of why, and people appreciate that. First of all, they're like, Thanks, St. Arnold. You know, you're only going to give us the best possible product. And then, of course, there are the, all the volunteers on. We'll take By the away, way, the we'll throwaways. be happy to take one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, about 60, 70 shows ago, uh, we did a show where we were out having cigars on the uh, outdoor area at the New Potato, which is one mm-hmm. of Ian's haunts. And our guest on that show was the brewmaster from uh, Lone Pint, who oh, yeah. they make a, a, a spectacular IPA, the Yellow yeah. Rose, which is really good. And a so pioneer we were, type yeah, beer. We fact, were yeah. very excited to have him on. He came with everything in Crowlers, 
And about, I don't know, maybe two-thirds of the way through the show, he poured this beer for us, and Ian and I tasted it, and we were like, and of course, you know, we got a guest. We're, we're, we're going to be nice, but we were like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't like this one as much as the other. And, he, and how do you say it? He goes, he goes yeah, it's crap. <laughs> yeah, but he, he actually, I think he was doing it to test us, to see yeah. if we'd just, like, kiss his ass because he was there. And, yeah, you know, we crap. were trying to be nice, but it was like, yeah, you know, this— this one over here is terrific. This one over here was but, really good. Yeah. yeah, this one, you know, maybe maybe it's for other palate. You know, uh, I, but yeah, he he. he but, but this is not that way at all. Like if this were available in the store, yeah. just like this, I would buy some on my way home today. Yeah, um, but wait till the uh, the new round, and it's so kind you're, of um, you're saying it'll be even better. Yeah, it will. It just punch up that dry hop and it's kind of the you know art car label mm. but um sort of can a we green... show that to the camera is that yeah, uh, oh right uh, there yeah. yeah there you go so um you won't see it on the store shelves it'll be to go from the beer garden but like a double art car which is a double ipa version of art car kind of has a red background where regular yeah. art car has a blue and so this is green you know hops did green. we talk about i know we talked about this like before the show but have we talked about the recent changeover which made you guys have to uh Shut down the beer garden, at least for now? Yeah, uh, we haven't yet. So uh, as of this minute, and right. I've checked my email to see, mm-hmm. if, because you never know uh, if there's an update or not. Um, we, let's see. People can always check your website for so, the latest, right? Yes, let's, right. Let's background this a little bit. So okay, what yeah, happened you go, is go you guys, uh, at, the, at the brewery itself, you fell under the uh, category of a restaurant because yep. you... You sell more food than you do beer at, at the at, at the, the beer, beer garden at itself. the beer garden sure, restaurant. Right. Yep, which is a restaurant section of the brewery, and which not... is where the tow lot used to be. Right, where the beer garden. <laughs> <is>. Right. <Yeah. laughs> um, I'd much rather come and give you money there yeah, know, than the right? guy yeah, I used to have to give much. money to there. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> um, but uh, but then. What three days ago is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I first found ago, out about it on Thursday that it could happen, and then TABC yeah. was like, "Well, um, because you're not making well." So the law was that if you make fifty one percent or more on your food, then you're allowed to be open because you're a restaurant. Yep. And then all of a sudden, TABC comes along and says, "Well, wait a second, we're going to include all of your beer sales, not just your on premises." So Which I'm assuming you have to run as a different business anyway. Uh, it's or sort of close to it. It's kind of getting in the weeds a little bit on but, that, but uh, but then yeah. they include all of your beer sales, including everything that goes out, everything to stores you sell and at everything Kroger, else. everything and now you sell all of a sudden it, you can't specs, run yeah. your restaurant, right? Uh, so basically, which is they, ridiculous, and they, it's an outdoor area. It's and we have not even opened our indoor right. part of the restaurant because we're not comfortable with it. And the outdoor area, so we're we've probably been operating at like thirty to forty, maybe percent capacity anyway, keeping people spread out. And and honestly, it has not really been a uh, money maker for us to have it open, even because mm-hmm. it, it's really been a way to keep more. As many people keep employed as working, possible. Yeah. Right. Our employees keep people the responsible thing, keep people off the unemployment ranks and whatever. And um, we were told that it was a new interpretation from the governor's office. The TABC was told to enforce it. So as of this recording, uh, we are not allowed to be open in our beer garden. That, that that's just crazy and seems like one of and yet interpretation of the law. I, saw, I love that. I saw phrase. like a national news uh, thing about. Places where, uh, you know, the people are concerned about 
potential high rates of infection from the virus, and they used a nightclub from right here in downtown yeah. Houston and showed photos that somebody had shared on their you know social media account of people all crammed in there together, dancing and drinking at the bar. And this was after they'd closed bars again in Houston and apparently contacted for comment. The bar owner said, well, we have a restaurant license. So my yeah. buddy uh, Paul That's... over at the New Potato has the he's got a tiny bar, right? Like his bar might be double the size of this studio, okay? Right. Which is it, yeah, it's not small. enormous. And as far as a bar, most goes, people it's hang really out outside small. at the New Potato. But he's got this huge outdoor area, this huge yard, all these picnic tables and everything, and everything spread way out. But he's not allowed to run. Right. You know, you can't go there and be thirty feet from the next person at his place because he's not allowed to open. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a bummer. And you know, listen, I'm all about trying to stay safe. I mean, like like we were saying at the beginning of the show, I, I barely go outside my apartment door at this point. But it's it's uh, you know, it's just a bummer when things aren't enforced equally. It's kind of like the regulations they were trying to enforce on premium cigars. Because kids were going and buying, you know, cigarillos at the uh, convenience stores and stuff, and and watermelon flavored Philly blunts. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's not <laughs> the same. It's not the same thing. Well, uh, okay. So, just back to this beer. Yes. What will this be called when it, we just when it comes double out? Double dry hopped art car, and uh, we'll announce it. But it could be next week if now, they were happy you, with it. You have a double art car that's available in stores Correct. now. That's in the red can. Red can double art car, which is um, over eight percent. Actually, it's nine point one percent. I think. Nice. Um, so it's a, a bigger version of art car and a little maltier. Um, like almost reminiscent somewhat of like the old school uh, double IPAs that used to be around even more, mm-hmm. but with a, a lot of the fruit punch that uh, nice. Art Cars hops nice. will give you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to taste a, a barley wine style ale, perhaps. Sure. Yes. And we have some tequila to taste. Plus, I want to I want to get that information. Was the wrong one. Yeah, was a, we we're we're always super high tech with the sound effects, and sometimes sometimes it, it just goes the way it's going to go. That was user error. That was our version of yeah. This isn't the beer we want to release. We'll have to just right, give this yeah. to the employees. Uh, so when we come back, we'll we'll talk tequila a little bit. We'll talk uh, barley wine, and then I want to get some information on uh, the whole divine reserve thing and sure. the bishop's barrel because that's part of what you know makes us as as people who live here in Houston really proud of the fact that we're here and that we're you know we're represented uh, in this kind of stellar brewery fashion. You know, I didn't think about it. I should have brought some of mine because mine are getting. I have some in the. Uh fridge that should probably it's should probably, probably be it's, it's time yeah yeah you know some yeah. of the some of the 15s and 14s and things yep, like that yep. i think it's about time all right so we'll be right back and we'll uh we'll talk barley wine and uh divine reserve and bishop's barrel it's smoking and toasting and we'll be right back Probably the third week of March. Uh, welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 194. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, my co-host Ian Barry. We have Adam on oh, the wheels crazy. of steel, our uh, our 
uh, erstwhile producer, and our guest in the studio, Lenny Ambrose from uh, St. Arnold. So, Lenny, I definitely do not want to wait another 194 shows before we have you come back again. So, uh, uh, so let's let's schedule something soon and have you return. So, I'm I've got nothing to do. Just okay, perfect. Good, good good to know. Uh, good to know. Well, uh, before Ian pops the top on our tequila, which we're about to do. It's time to do something we try to do at least once per show, and that is drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. You Go could baby. get like actual music for that well, if you wanted. Well, to. see, here's here's the thing, Lenny. I, I I keep asking Ian to because he's the musician, right? Yeah, uh, to come up with a with a uh, theme song for drinking news. And the way that I keep driving this point home to him is, I'm going to keep doing it's that. I'm going to keep doing that until he uh, has the opportunity to too many create floors. us a real it's he working. Exactly, exactly. Laying too many floors. It, it's going to work eventually. One uh, day I'll be able to make money doing music again. Drinking, <laughs> drinking News is a segment on the program where we uh, bring you a story that may or may not be about drinking, but is one that you probably will enjoy even more if you are drinking. And of course we don't do that segment until we've started with the drinking, and we've been doing uh, some of that with some really great... Do you want me to pour while you're doing this? Yeah, why don't you? Go ahead and pop that top, and... uh... Ooh, Ooh, nice. That worked. Did you hear the scrunchies that were going on Yeah, the scrunchies were really good. They were really good. Um, There's a fish that has been discovered. Scientists and experts are trying to identify this mystery sea creature because the fish has human teeth. Adam, if you will, post nothing let's, creepy let's, about that. Let's post the picture, and and uh, you guys, um, because of the delay in this, you won't see this come up on your feed the same way. So I'll just show it to you here. This is the photo that Adam <laughs> is posting. There is the fish with human teeth. Now, let me just say, this is not photoshopped, at least to the best of my knowledge. It's not fake news, at least to the but best of is, my knowledge. That is from something called the Daily Star. Well, okay, and then maybe the Daily I, have Star. Have you is, ever uh, been in a grocery store and looked? I, I've never, right? I've never looked and seen a fish with human teeth. Is in that the bat store. kid right next to it with the ears? <laughs> and what are, were they, are you talking about? The hot sheets? Preg- yeah, that that's what it, that looks like. It's been identified as a trigger fish, and it's apparently common mm. a- around Malaysia. Now, you guys remember the snakehead fish, right? Because that was a thing for a while. Remember the snakehead fish was like it was swimming up into uh, like rivers and streams and and it was like this fish that looked kind of like an eel and it was eating all the other fish and destroying the ecosystem. Well, uh, okay, so this may be an article in the Daily Star, but this trigger fish, (laughs) according to National Geographic... They've got, they've got a little credibility, right? Is that with an X at the end? Geographics? Yeah. It's one of those fake... <laughs> at National Geographic Prize. <laughs> right, um, yes. uh, no, they Dude, say, That's totally Photoshopped. There's no way. They say these fish are famous for charging at intruders, and that includes other sea creatures as well as human divers. They use their tough teeth and powerful jaws to fight sea urchins and crabs, but their bite can also puncture diving suits. I, is Wiki Brian uh, li- with us today? I haven't seen him on if here today. If he is, today. Brian, please look this up and 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 uh, back me up because that that looks so photoshopped. There's I, no way. I, you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, so I have news. I have these uh, uh, dental treats for my dog, right? Mm-hmm. And you notice on the picture of the dog on the the front, dog's got those smiling dog's teeth. Got Human teeth, yeah, which is, is creepy to me, by the way, and I can only think that they did this as an advertising thing because they thought, you know, a, a smiling dog with canine teeth might look a little intimidating. 
but it's creepier with human teeth, and that's got to be Photoshop. That's, that's I, e- this is even creepier than the dog. It's really, really teeth. awkward to look yeah, at. Like yeah. it makes me feel weird inside. Okay. They had to redo the whole Sonic movie because of the teeth. The Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh, movie. Sonic the Hedgehog, really? The animated what, what movie. Was the, what was the, the problem first, with the teeth? Because they looked too human. That they had to reanimate all the like all facial the things teeth. in the movie because it oh. kind of looked like that. Well, I'll watch it now. I wasn't going to watch it before. Well, there's a teeth. what is teeth the, are uh, weird. There's a there's a. It's a psychological thing that the closer it looks to human, but slightly off, the scarier it actually is. Yeah, I think that's right. And because when you look at this photo, one of the things that makes it look kind of human is that the teeth aren't perfectly straight. It looks like a kid that might need braces. But look at the look you at know? the lips on that thing. That is not right. That's that's totally photoshopped. <laughs> I, I, it says it's not. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I know. Listen, if it's what's on the, the internet, what's the actress from Pretty Woman? That's her lips. That's, that's Julie Roberts. Julie Roberts' lips, or something, right? Hey, listen, if it's on the internet, it must be true. That's true. Okay. Damn, this tequila is delicious. Uh, oh, you've already tasted <laughs> By the, the way, tequila. Yeah. Um, Remember the vanilla bean from the? Um, Holy, I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. The raspberry sour. Uh-huh. This takes that to the next level. It really does. Okay, so Ian, no, the, let's the smell. Let's is... show this bottle since we don't have Mr. Torlegi grinding today. Let's uh, this here is let's the show the bottle. This is tequila miagave. Yep, and it's an añejo uh, made by Augustin Sanchez is the distiller. And no, mm-hmm. no, van- it's not vanilla tequila. No, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not flavored. This very... is very. You know, the this is really delicious and super smooth. And I'll tell you, this is this is uh, between thirty and forty bucks a bottle. So it's not like a a super high ultra yeah. end. It's it's not the cheapest tequila you can buy. But you know what I get on this is almost like a caramel. We mention caramel as a flavor sometimes in things, yep. but this almost is like remember those caramel candies that used to come wrapped in cellophane that your yeah. grandmother would have, and you would, it almost has that. It's a caramel those overly sweetness. sticky ones. Kinda. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The flavor was great, but they would get stuck to your teeth, and mm-hmm. and and you take you like an hour to eat. You actually, one. Like your jaws would get stuck mm-hmm. together because yeah. you'd, you'd mess. I, I like kind of it. A, a little of that flavor. I like the smell of it mm-hmm. more than I like the flavor. This is almost too sweet. It is about the if sweetest ask, tequila yes. that I've had. And I like it. It's weird though. because it's sweet with pepper in the background. Right? Right? Really yeah. sweet with there pepper is, in the background. There is definitely some pepper on the palate, no question. I the agave flavor is actually one of the least influential things. You in this. get a little tiny bit of it on the on the very beginning, and then that caramel and vanilla kind of kind of takes over. Also, the heat in this tequila happens right in the middle of the palate and it goes mm-hmm. away. And then barely comes back with a little warmth at the very end. There's very little tequila hug. You're right. Very interesting. Well, this is a great tequila, I think. Oh, nicely done. That was awesome. This is is a great tequila, I think, for uh, people who maybe you have somebody who says, oh, I can't do tequila. I don't like to. You know, like this would be a good one to to bring them into the fold on. I I like this a lot. I'm going to sing a song for this next beer. Barley wine. Barley wine. Gonna drink us some barley wine. How's that? I I agree with your decision to do the tequila and then to the barley wine. Well, that actually you know, that's actually one of the reasons, works. yeah, that I wanted to address these together because um, sometimes with these bigger uh, beers, oh. it's oh. it's really fun to go back and forth with the spirit and yeah. see how one influences <laughs> the other. So uh, so that's the fun thing about our Roasty, final segment here on dark raisiny, Ian. There's a little bit of a problem with my tequila cup. 
<laughs> Did you break your tequila? I, I think cup? I must have had a crack in the bottom of it or something because it's it seems to it seems to be leaking. And may, perhaps you can help. All right. So now, Lenny, this this is a St. Arnold barley wine. Is this something that I, I don't recall ever seeing a barley wine from you guys uh, on the on the shelves, at least labeled as such? Right. Um, no, because it's always been the uh, Divine Reserve and right. Bishop's Barrel. It was the first Divine Reserve was yeah. a barley wine, and then there were some other ones uh, peppered in there as well, and then some um, Bishop's Barrels were barley wines as well. Uh, but let's see, our 20th anniversary beer was a barley wine. Okay. So... Um, that, but that was more labeled as like 20th anniversary. And then our Grand Cru, which was our uh, anniversary beer, um, that was a, b- a blend, but it uh, had barley wine in it as part of it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this is, I think Brock has always had kind of a fondness for sort of like malty beers and older styles and mm-hmm. things like that. So barley wine is definitely that. Um, aged in bourbon barrels, and I, I pulled up the stats so Aaron doesn't get mad um, <laughs> that I got it wrong. Uh, it was 19 months in early times bourbon barrels. Early times, okay. Uh, so 12.4%. Wow. That's so, uh, big, yeah. Remember when I brought a barley wine onto the show? I think we were at um, downtown at the cigar shop. at. Um, oh, at McCoy's? McCoy's. Yeah. And uh, it was another local brewery. We opened it, and it was terrible. Yeah, and I'm not going to name right. whoever it was, but I know what you're talking about. But it was a very, very American or New England style or whatever they did to it, Americanized barley wine, very hoppy and ridiculous. This is the exact opposite of that. This is what I expect. Th- this is what you're English looking for. This is exactly what I expect in a barley mm-hmm. wine, and this is absolutely outstanding. Great. Mm. That's good mm. news. So one of the things that put St. Arnold Brewery on the map with like crazy devoted beer fans was the release uh the beginning of Divine Reserve. You said the very first one was uh, was a barley, What's a barley wine. wine yep. So when when you guys started Divine Reserve, St. Arnold went from yeah, that's a really cool brewery that uh makes some great beers to the kind of thing that people started lining up outside of the stores as they would open on the day of a Divine Reserve release. How did that, I mean, walk us through how that happened. How did you go from, you know, this is really cool, we love their beers, to I'm going to camp out outside of Specs to make sure I get a six-pack of Divine Reserve on the day it's released? What what happened? Well, um, you know, Brock wanted to do limited runs, bigger beers, and so he kind of came up with it uh, to do that. And uh, the first run was just, you know, a, a hundred cases or something really mm-hmm. small. And he thought it would be, you know, a few weeks to kind of run through it at the store level. And it, you know, sold really well. And then we sort of kept doing them and doing them. And then I think right around like Divine Reserve 4 or 5, um, it really started to kind of take off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think the beer that eventually became Pumpkinator, uh, which was uh, Divine Reserve 9, mm-hmm. was, I think that even kind of was like the next level of like super lining up, media coverage about it. Um, and then it just sort of grew from there. Um, and it was just our chance to kind of play, and it was usually bigger beers. But honestly, um, it has sort of outlived its 
usefulness. Well, and I was going to say, it used to be you couldn't, if you weren't in line yeah, on the day of a Divine Reserve was, release, you were out of luck. Yep. Now I can find Divine Reserve when it comes out at my little local Phoenicia store downstairs in my building. Right, yep, absolutely. Yeah. And, oh, I didn't know you lived there. That's and cool. I, and yeah. I buy it, and it's delicious, by the way. I mean, yeah. I've yet to buy one and be disappointed yeah, ever sure. in, in Divine Reserve. And, but. and, I, and it just... Um, it just got to a point where it was sitting a little bit, and so we've kind of shifted our focus. And it doesn't mean Divine Reserve's done forever. Mm-hmm. Same with Bishop's Barrel. We may not have a Bishop's Barrel release this year. We may just kind of do it as a barley wine, you know, instead of Is under the Bishop's available? Barrel af- to go from the beer garden and restaurant. Oh, so, I know where I'm we're heading after yeah, the show. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if you do, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I had one piece of it, like, running out the door uh, because someone had one when I was at the brewery and I'm not in the brewery. If you go, trust me, our mushroom pizza is life changing. <laughs> it is a world class mushroom pizza. Get a mushroom pizza with a barley wine, and that's it's a great combo. I promise. I, I will actually just feel like a hobbit at that point. Uh, that, that's <laughs> great, one. Like, I don't know great. why that makes me wow. feel like that. So this is terrific, and and this is these these come in the bombers as well. Uh, yeah, they're 500 milliliter bottles. Okay. So yeah. So Ian, I want to challenge you to do this. Take a, a drink of that uh, of that barley wine, and then I want you to go back to the tequila. If your experience is like mine. It flattens out the sweetness almost completely. You still get the vanilla. You still get a little of the caramel. But you don't get that same sort of sweeter It's aftertaste. not a sticky sweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's the a barley really wine nice is sticky sweet in the best way. Like, you could actually pour this barley wine between two pieces of wood and stick them together for life. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the most endearing and wonderful way. I This is so well, good. This you is... know, what I, I like about it is it makes those... It makes those dried fruit flavors that are part of what barley wine is usually all about. It makes them so drinkable. I don't know how to say it another way. Yeah. It, it just makes them so easy to. You, you don't feel like you've got to like pause after you uh, take a drink of it. It's like, wow, that was really good. Let me try that again. You know. And, and I think the nose on the barley wine is sort of like how y'all were describing some of the cigars earlier on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get, like, tobacco. You get the stone fruit flavor or a uh, nose when you smell the mm-hmm. barley wine. Mm-hmm. Mm. What is a so, bottle of that uh, cost? Uh, $16 for the barley wine. No, and then so broke. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Will Floor for barley wine. You should. <laughs> that's right. You should have a new right? shirt. That's I, I know <laughs> how to do Pergo now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the, just, just think of it this way, Ian. If you calculate how much you make from one section of Pergo, then you can calculate yeah. how how much you have to do to equal one barley wine. That's right. Yeah? Barley uh, wine is life. That's right. <laughs> I'm charging 600 barley wines. For so this. so Divine Reserve, you don't have another one planned right now? Nope. Uh, just taking a break, and, and we'll see. Bishop's Barrel is the same at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. have, like, uh, a beer under the Bishop's Barrel banner right well, now. Well, that, it's interesting because a lot of times <laughs> that's what you would be expecting as the new St. Arnold, and you weren't releasing new beers kind of in your main uh, yeah. line as often. Now you're doing more new beers in your yep. main line more frequently, and it's, uh, uh, I guess, gives you an opportunity to, to approach it that way. How do you compete? And I, and I know that, listen, in, in the craft brewery world, it seems like everybody 
for the most part, remains very friendly competitors. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, uh, I've we've yet to have anyone on from any brewery that didn't have good things to say about other yeah. breweries that they like and and respect. But that said, this is a business for you guys, and you want to do as best as you can and keep your employees employed. And how do you compete with the up and comers, with the guys that, um, setting aside the pandemic for a moment, the biggest you know change in craft brewing was the really small guys who would open up. Yeah. They do a great uh, you know a great little lineup of beers, and they'd have a tap room and serve some food, and people would go there and play cornhole and horseshoes, and and it would become a destination. And maybe a few bars in the vicinity would would put them on tap, and that's. That's where most of the craft beer uh, new guys yep. were coming from. How do you compete with this every day? There's a new, you know, brewery opening and a new a new style or a new innovation of of craft brewing hitting the shelves from a competitor uh, by doing this stuff. So releasing these kinds of beers and new stuff a lot, mm-hmm. and then, but more importantly, is dumping a batch if it isn't right and making sure that everything is to your standards uh and over the long run that pays dividends does it put you in a place where you say instead of just focusing on the core line we need to focus on new limited runs more often is that is that a, a more of a current strategy, I guess. Yeah, it is at one hundred percent. Yes, that that uh, innovation team has a lot of stuff in the pipeline. We were just looking at a sheet of a, like six or eight different things that are be, going to be coming out over the next year or so, um, and and I think that is again with like Art Car was kind of this. It's like. Uh, B A and A uh, after A A, so before Art Car and after Art Car. So, uh, so that's timeline. really the sort of pivotal point in St. Arnold's. Uh, <clears throat> that's how I look at it. I don't. I don't know that we necessarily like said that uh, mm-hmm. out loud at the brewery, um, but I think everybody kind of thinks that because that just sort of set us on a new course, and mm-hmm. that was right around when a lot of breweries were still opening up. Um, and without that, I don't really know where we would be. Um, but it kind of has set forth doing other new styles. Even, and just, how, new even just the design of the can, although you still had yeah, St. Right. Arnold on it. But it was the first can design or bottle design that looked really different yeah, other than your you local know, artists, stuff. Yeah. You know, pulling in Gonzo to do that and, and just kind of taking a chance. And um, it... Man, it's really paid off. The local support from St. Arnold <clears throat> has been absolutely fantastic too. And there's always like the one pot and yeah. Uh, like hopefully we can do those there. events. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. guys recently did the thing with the with the dog food where you were giving away uh, yep. pet food, which is really cool. Which yeah, we uh, had a, a big pet organization that got a giant delivery of free food. So it's right now it's trying to find ways to engage people in ways that you can right. because everything else we do is just not happening. We would have everything, had the yeah. the four thousand down person downtown pub crawl this weekend. The right, Feast of right. St. Arnold would have been this weekend right right and now we're even looking at well i don't think oktoberfest is probably going to happen and what is even the rest of the year so and how how does that's got to affect you in a in a sales way too because those events you sell a great deal of beer at those yeah we we do um for us 
we have the advantage of selling beer at HEB, Kroger, and Specs, right, right. and that is up for us. How far uh, is your distribution? All, just all over Texas and then all over Louisiana, okay. and, th- and that's it. Um, and so that's why we are in a different position, thankfully, than some of the breweries that just sell from their tap room. <clears throat> and I know a lot of them are, are really struggling because they may have a couple draft accounts here right. and there, but those places are probably closed. Yeah. Right. And then they count on the taproom business. <clears throat> John Holler at Holler Brewing is a good friend of mine. And, you know, he's like hustling every second of every sure. day to just, you know, Try and sell have a, beer, yeah. a penny. <laughs> well, and I will just say this. We, we've said this repeatedly on the show. We'll say it again. Um, if you are a fan of craft beer, if you want these guys to be able to continue to make this stuff for you going forward, pick out your one or two or three favorite ones and go. Pick up go. their beer at your... Buy the beer, uh, buy the t-shirt. Yeah, buy, buy it. If it's in the stores, buy it in the stores. If it's not in the stores, go and support these guys by buying it to go from the breweries. And at least yep. here in Texas, they can do that now, which is can. Has, has been a really good thing. Um Lenny, several years ago, St. Arnold was named Mid-Sized Brewer of the yeah. Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that happen, and what did it mean for you guys? <laughs> um, I, that's one of those things that it's not um, like you're nominated for it, so you're kind of expecting it. Well, the it's way not it, like the Oscars where you know you've yeah, you got a right. one-in-five chance of winning they the like award. Th- really that really like is me. just <laughs> like at, um, at the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, we won the most medals that year, and so you're just – you go in not even – that even being on your mind, and we we won the most medals out of thousands and thousands of breweries. And is that why you were named Mid-Sized Brewer? Correct. Uh, because you, your medal count was yep, the, the, the highest. Yeah, the medal count was the highest. That's how they tabulate it. And so, you know, we won it, and, and that was a, a huge thing for us. Um, and I think that maybe even kind of another thing that um, I was going to say, like Art Car and then some of the releases sort of turned that corner for us from being like um, – an old hat brewery, or uh, I've it, had their right. beer. It, it kind of kept you current and and, and interesting in a, yeah. in a in a current way, right? Yeah. And and all, almost to be sort of like the the godfather of craft beer because mm-hmm. there's a really fine line of being old and tired and old hat and being like the godfather type, right? You know, you can you can. Be in one line one day and the other line the, the other. Well, I think it's what the Sam Adams and and guys like that are struggling with. It's like yeah. yep. it's like I mean they make great beer, they blazed a path that others could follow, yep. and yet it's it's maybe in the current beer environment, you know people don't get as, as excited about a new Sam Adams release as they do about you know something from a younger hipper brewery. So it it, it really is I think a struggle, and I just I just want to say from where. I sit, I don't know anything about the financials, but from where I sit, it feels like you guys are navigating that in a really, well, you guys, really successful you way. You guys keep your hands on, in, in the community and current trends, too. Yeah. And, like, you know you need an IPA that's going to be, you know, fitting this slot, like you said earlier. And you came out with Art Car, which is an outstanding drinkable IPA that competes, you know, world-class with anything else. So... It's really, really, really cool that you can keep staying ahead of that. And then your limited releases. I'm such a fan of your seasonals. Like, 
I'll be honest with you. Uh, your seasonals are some of my favorite beers in existence. Oh, from, let, let's just talk about Oktoberfest for a minute. <laughs> Oktoberfest? Oh, my God. I, any day now, Oktoberfest. I am almost. so excited for that. Like, <laughs> it's, that like is, a, it's one of those things where Ian and I will actually text each other, <laughs> I found Oktoberfest. If you go back and listen to the episodes that correspond to when Oktoberfest is released to when it's ended, you will hear me talk about Oktoberfest, Oktoberfest. And then for the next month afterwards, I'm sad that Oktoberfest gone. <laughs> but then I get happy because then Christmas Day. <laughs> right, right. That's absolutely right. Uh, no, your your seasonals really yeah, uh, have been spectacular. I'm a huge fan of uh, of the seasonals, especially, Good. and I Thanks. think that's awesome that you have them. And it's it's kind of fun that you don't have them year round because it look. I look forward you to some, the to summer look forward pills. To, yeah. I look forward to Oktoberfest. I look forward to the Saint Ar- uh, it's the, Springbok. Uh, Christmas. Springbok. Springbok, man. I yeah, I tried to destroy that this year too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, actually bought a keg to put in my kegerator when it came out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Well, Lenny, this has been a real pleasure for us and and like I said long overdue, we won't wait this long again. Um, last question for you. We saw uh, you know the huge trend towards IPAs, and first it was the New Englands, and then it was the Hazies and Juicies, and that's that's obviously still continuing to be a thing. But that was a big trend, and then we saw the trend towards um, you know uh, more lower calorie, lower carbohydrate, sessionable. sessionable stuff. Any idea of what you think might be no. the next trend? No, no, no. <laughs> Barley wines are going to be huge. <laughs> barley wines are already. That's, that's actually never going to happen. A sessionable low cal barley wine. Oh, okay, you heard it first giant, here, ladies right, and gentlemen. <laughs> in, in a clear can. I really think that that's just going to be well, a clear can. A clear nice. can, uh, or or a paper uh, container. A paper perhaps. can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but you know, it, it is hard to even imagine. Like, what could possibly be next? But it'll be something. Yeah, it's a I, near barley wine. <laughs> And when uh, hazy IPAs came out, you know, all of us were like, "That looks so gross. Who would <laughs> want that? Why?" And and uh, sometimes we at Saint Arnold we kind of sit back a little bit and let things develop, and things then we'll kind of bit. come yeah. out with ours a little bit down the road. And well, I don't you, mind that. You position. did mention you've got like six, seven, eight things in development yeah. that are that are next for you guys. Yeah, um, some things people have had at the beer garden before, so it's releasing some kind of favorites that were draft only at the beer garden, and then some is just kind of taking some chances. Some are those things that the R and D team they sort of bring in and just. Why don't you try this? Things so, that might have been a Bishop's Barrel or a Divine? No, th- these are uh, kind of some lower alcohol stuff. It's okay. more. Uh, like one's a sour IPA, so I, I don't know if you've yeah, had a sour okay. IPA. There's yeah. some here and there, so mm-hmm. um, just I would love to see you guys come up with a with a light beer that's that's good well, and drinkable. J- give it a little bit. Okay. So in the next couple months, we'll have we we've tested the waters. We released Backyard is just what the name mm-hmm. we threw on it for Memorial Day. Right. So it's a low cal. Session IPA, and uh, we are drinking some of that today. So you may see that in kind of wider distribution. Well, we sure appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, and let's definitely not wait another 194 episodes to, to have you back. Uh, we would uh, we would love to have you back. And you know what? It just just think about this: <clears throat> if you decide to do, no matter how limited, a run of Sailing Santa, 
Okay. It's a guaranteed booking. Yep. We'll have you on as soon. <laughs> you know, we'll bump somebody else if necessary. You will sell we'll, at least four to six bottles. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, well, depending if you do it in bombers, four or six run. bottles, but a couple six packs each. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and as and as we want to make sure you understand, and we can we we have the numbers to stand behind this. Smoking and toasting does in fact directly influence sales, and you should see that in your barley wine here. In the next couple of hours. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. a mushroom pizza, I'm telling you. <laughs> Thanks, you know, Jim. it is my job to have dinner ready tonight. <laughs> so. There you go. Uh, I'm seeing a plan forming. I'm seeing a plan forming. Uh, okay, so if all goes well, on next week's show, uh, we will be bringing you a Reposado blind taste test for National Tequila Day. So we'll be looking forward to that. And we do want to say, by the way, a, uh, a very quick thanks uh, to our special guest from last week, who was so uh, absolutely uh, awesome. Uh, we had uh, Samuel Fitch from Florida Kanye. That Rum guy on, was And awesome. he was awesome. They outdid themselves with the in-studio display. Yes. They brought in a little oh, working wow. volcano, and it was like, wow. made my... I mean, we're not judging you or anything. No, no, I, no, no. no. Man. How can you judge a guy who brought these beers? <laughs> he brought a volcano <laughs> <You can't>. in. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, thank you to Samuel and to our uh, our friend Hamilton who those who guys made that are all so happen. great. They're so fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks so much, and uh, we look forward to the time when we can come back and and hang out at the brewery again because that's always so much fun. Please do. Thank you. Yes. All right. It's smoking and toasting. Thank you guys for uh, joining us. Thanks to everybody for spreading the word. Don't forget to like us and subscribe on YouTube and all the other good places. And uh, thanks to Adam on the wheels of steel. Have a great week, my friends, and. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. Got, Cheers. Anything, got anything left, Lenny? Yeah, I go. do. I think we should probably I'd finish my barley wine.